Tanya, and you're listening to Human and Holy, a podcast where we discuss the deepest parts of Torah, not just as scholars, but also as human beings. If you are listening to this and would like to support our work, please consider sponsoring an episode of the podcast. Your support allows us to put out new episodes every Sunday on a different topic in Hasidus. If you have a loved one's birthday, yard site, wedding anniversary, consider sponsoring an episode in honor of your special day. Visit humanandholy.com slash sponsor or email us at info at humanandholy.com to get a little more information about each sponsorship. If you want to become a monthly contributor of the podcast, you can visit patreon.com slash humanandholy where you can give as little as $5 a month to support our work in the world. Today's episode is a conversation with my friend, Hannah Rosa Bogart, where we discuss receiving the Torah on Shavuos. What prevents us from receiving the Torah in our lives? Where do we resist the integration of this divine gift? And what expands us on a practical level? and allows us to receive the Torah each year and each day. This conversation is based on a talk of the Lubavitch Rebbe about Shavuos. I'll put the exact date in the show notes so you can learn it inside if you'd like. Join us today as Chana Rosa and I attempt to approach Shavuos ready to receive and integrate the great gift of the Torah in our lives. I'm Hanna Rosa Bogart. I am an artist. I am an educator. I live in New Haven. I'm a mother. And I am Tanya's friend. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm so excited to be here. I'm really happy to be talking about this and talking about some of my favorite ideas. So in preparation for this, we learned to see together about Shavuos. And we're going to talk a little bit about the Rebbe's perspective on what Shavuos is and how we can really accept the Torah in our lives as Shavuos and what that even means for us? Yeah. It's a Fabrian and it's a very long one. We chose like a small portion of it and I went back and tried to get more out of it. I want to talk about another part of this Fabrian when the Rebbe is starting to compare Pesach with Shavuos. It's interesting because the idea of Pesach is that the revelation comes in a flash mm. and the Jewish people understand a lot all at once. And it's a really, really intense experience that is unprecedented, can't be replicated. But in a certain sense, it's also an experience that can't be integrated or it could be integrated with a lot of difficulty. Everybody had like, we're in a VM at the time. So clearly like there was an enormous amount of appreciation for the divine and for God. And in a way that I think was very visceral and experiential, 
where it, it wasn't just an idea, it wasn't just something that people were reading. They really experienced like Elikus and Hashem, like right there. But then you have this other whole mode of understanding God, which is symbolized by Shavuos, which comes after the seven weeks of preparation, each week really focusing on one of our character traits, one of our emotions. And that brings us to a place where there is an even higher revelation, the first time really that there is like a complete union of the divine and of man. And this union is so radical that it completely nullifies the decree that was like really strong before that, that spirituality and physicality do not mix. Mm. And this decree was nullified after many, many generations. So it wasn't something that could happen just when creation happened, even though it was the purpose of creation. And that revelation was very intense. Obviously, the Jewish people died. They weren't able to like stay within their bodies. But it was possible to integrate it, so much so that physical objects after this revelation, after Harsinai, were able to be elevated even after they were used as a mitzvah, right? So like before that, even though we know that Jewish people did mitzvahs before, it was temporary. The objects did not retain any of the spirituality, but afterwards it did. And that's what I find very, very interesting because I know for myself that there were times when I was younger, now, probably in the future as well, that I'll be really like excited about an idea. And especially if it's a very spiritual, abstract, esoteric idea. And it's easy to get lost in it. It's easy to burrow yourself into it. But if there is no work on your relationships, on your emotions, on your mental health, on your ability to just function in the reality, in our reality, in our world, and be a decent mother, and be able to send emails, and just function. <laughs> all the annoying things. All the annoying things. But also the also deep the emotional. Things. Yeah. Right. Also the ability to not replicate unhealthy patterns, to kind of get out of your own stuckness, all of that, that does need more than a revelation. It needs more than just getting the truth by reading it or experiencing it or having like one of those godly moments, those oceanic moments when you feel like everything is one and there really is a God. Those things do not really impact you unless you do the really tedious, hard, seven-week, everyday work on things that seem pretty basic. How to be loving, how to be a good person, how to limit and set boundaries. I mean, all the spheres are really powerful mm -hmm. emotional tools that you, you need to focus on and directly engage with in order to get to that place of revelation in a way that sticks the same way that those physical objects will retain spirituality afterwards. Our bodies also do. Yeah. It is so telling about what Shavuos is about, what receiving the Torah is about. The fact that we have these weeks of working on our character traits, on working on our emotions. You would think that there would be a more spiritual preparation, but it ends up being something that's so grounded, that is so much about actually <laughs> looking, like you said, at our relationships and at our behaviors and creating a vessel for us to receive the Torah through our human vessel. And something that I'm thinking, just because you juxtapose that with Pesach, on Pesach, when we receive this download of freedom, I wonder if part of the Sphere of Omer is also integrating that freedom because we receive this download, this like, okay, you're free. 
And then there's this process of preparing to receive the Torah, which looks like becoming a more loving person, setting boundaries, learning about ourselves, learning how to balance different elements of who we are. And that makes us a vessel to receiving the Torah from God. And we know that the Torah is what brings us to true freedom. And it is what frees us from our limitations and what frees us from these limits that we have within ourselves and within our character that like the Sphira Saomer is about integrating, is about finding that inner harmony and balance. And then we receive the Torah, which is that key to our personal freedom. So I think it's a process, Pesach, Sphira Saomer, and Shavuos, that are all coming together to help us integrate and to prepare us for what it actually means to receive the Torah. Yeah. I really like that. It's interesting to remember where the Jewish people were before Pesach even happened, before Mitzias Mitzrayim happened. There were slaves. This for bringing even talks about how they were in the 49th levels of Tama. They were really crushed in a way that I think it would have been impossible to build up to being able to receive God's love. Because if you're a slave, if you think of yourself as a lowly, unworthy human being, and you're not deserving of God's love. Yeah. So you need that download. Like the way that you think has to radically change the way that you see yourself, the way you see the world, even before you integrate that. So I think that that makes a lot of sense. Otherwise, we would just have shoes, right? <laughs> I have to think of myself as a person who is worthy of God's love to be able to work on myself and to value working on myself to receive God's love. Yeah. That's really, really beautiful. Beginning with the fact that God redeemed you for no reason other than he wanted us to be his people. It was a pure act of love and connection from Hashem. And he took us out of our challenge and our difficulty. And then he also gave us the tools to be able to integrate that love. Because that initiation from God is not going to be enough to change the physicality. Like you said, post-Shavuos, we could actually do a mitzvah and like transform the nature of the things we interacted with. So there's a famous teaching related to Shavuos, which is that the Jews went to sleep the night before Shavuos, the night before receiving the Torah, after counting for seven weeks and waiting with great anticipation to receive the Torah. And Hashem comes and he sees that they are sleeping. I know that the Medrash, there's this famous Medrash that the Rebbe is bringing in, says a lot of interesting details to tell over the story. Instead of putting the whole story in the simplest of terms, it says, Shina shalatzaras ariva katsara. That the sleep of Shavuos is really sweet and the night is short. And they slept so well that not even a mosquito, not a flea bit them, bothered them. So they had this blissfully peaceful sleep. And then Hashem comes and he's like, why did I come and I called you and nobody answered? Why are you sleeping? If you're so excited for something, you wouldn't go to sleep. Even though we discussed how like, is that really true? Like, would you not go to sleep because you were so excited? I guess you would be kept up from the anticipation. Maybe you would want to sleep, but you wouldn't even be able to sleep. Yeah, I mean, you think about sleep as something that you need as a physical body, and you need your eight hours, and if you really want to process something, then you sleep. But here, it seems like the Jewish people wanted to sleep for a very specific reason. They wanted to sleep so that they could experience godliness, because 
when a person is awake, then the world is really distracting and their soul is in their bodies, fully grounded. And it's hard to experience godliness in that state. But when we sleep, our teachings tell us that our soul is lifted above our bodies and a very small amount of vitality remains in our bodies in a state of sleep. We sometimes have access to spiritual ideas or even answers to Talmudic questions that you may have. I don't have, but some people may have. <laughs> um, I have other kinds of questions. And those questions could be answered sometimes. <laughs> in a dream. So it was really their intention. They were not trying to sleep so that they could be focused the next day. They were right. going to sleep for a very specific spiritual reason. And we see that there was truth to that because the fact that you feel like we're like dvartoring each other. I know we're totally dvartoring each other. <laughs> it sounds almost like we're rehearsed. It sounds like we rehearsed this, but we didn't. <laughs> so Keep going. It's fun. Okay. Sounds rehearsed, not rehearsed. We're just like volleying. But there was legitimacy to the fact that they went to sleep because the fact that God made that no flea bit them. Because they wanted a sleep of miracles. They wanted that flight from reality. They wanted to soar with the angels. Then there was a miracle. God really allowed them to sleep without any pesky bugs and they were out in the wild. So right. they wanted miraculous. They got miraculous. But God is, is really distraught. He sounds really sad. To me, it's a very emotional plea. I came and calling and nobody's answering. Everyone's sleeping. It's an abandonment. Yeah. It's a miscommunication, really. Yeah. And the question is, what is so enticing about escaping? Mm -hmm. Why do we want to escape so much? Why did they feel like that was the best way to meet God? Is that intuitive to you? I don't even know if it's that they were trying to escape, but that they didn't really see the value of them being awake. They didn't see the value of the physical world. So sometimes we're not really trying to escape, but we actually think that's where the value is. So that's where I need to go. I struggle to see the value sometimes in like the very physical things that God asks me to do. And I don't know if I'm trying to escape from my life because embodiment is a nice place to be. But I think it's that I have this like misunderstanding, like a miscommunication with God where I'm like, where I feel spiritual, where I'm sleeping and I'm getting this divine connection and this extra level of spirituality, like that's where I'm supposed to be, right? And it's like, no, actually you're supposed to be right here in this very physical act, a mitzvah, a physical task. That is actually where I am. I came here to meet you. And so if you're there like somewhere else, if you're sleeping, but by sleeping, I don't mean like not present, but if you're sleeping, seeking that spirituality, the way the Jews were the night before Shavuos, then I came here to the physical world to meet you and you're not here. I'm sure I miss so many of those moments. Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I feel like I relate to this idea a lot because it's definitely one of my struggles. Part of me feels like I would be a lot more productive if I could isolate myself from people, work all the time. I feel like perhaps I could develop my ideas more clearly. I might have more accomplishments. I'm saying even artistically, like in the studio, if I didn't have all those pressing responsibilities, if I didn't have to come home, if I didn't have to have healthy relationships and raising kids is really physical and really intense and chaotic. 
And also there is like a part of me that looks at other people who are isolating themselves and are therefore being able to be really successful. And there's definitely a part of me that feels like I would achieve more that way. And then there's a deeper part of me that understands that I'm not really completely cognizant of what my purpose is, where I'm supposed to be and what I'm supposed to be doing. I might think that in order to get as much recognition as I can or really achieve what the world thinks of as success, like monetary success, fame, press, attention, Mm -hmm. all that stuff. Like I think that's where maybe I think success lies, but there's also this deep, deep understanding that in 50 years, like I think I will have a totally different idea of what purpose is. And for sure when I'm gone, purpose would mean something totally different. Mm -hmm. And something that relates to this idea, even I think more cuttingly is that by bringing my physicality into time of creation and in my time of aloneness, that makes for a more interesting and more contentful art and enriches creativity. And I do think that the world is going there a little bit. Gone is the days that it's completely idolized to be this almost psychopathic artist or psychopathic entrepreneur with no attachments that isn't seen with the same kind of admiration that it might have been seen 50 mm-hmm. years ago. I may be wrong, but I do think that that's the direction that the world is taking a little bit more integrated. Yeah. Definitely in the art world, there have been in the last 25, even 50 years, artists that feel comfortable bringing like the raw, banal, mundane Mm -hmm. elements of their everyday life, their kids, and bringing it into their work in a way that is really deep and rich and in a way more relatable Mm -hmm. than someone who is just isolating themselves because then it becomes very echo chambery. Yeah. If you don't experience the pains, frustrations, chaos of everyday life and occupying this physical body with all of its needs and demands, you can get lost in yourself. Yeah. You know, that's really what the Sikha is saying, because it talks about a person that does say like, what is it for me, the darkness of the world? I don't need the darkness of the world. It's better for me to close myself off from the world Mm -hmm. and do Torah mitzvahs by myself. So he is using his physical body, but he is also isolating himself. And that is definitely not the purpose, even if it's hard to reach out to another person to have those connections and to work on our real life relationships. What I loved about your point about purpose is that I think that in relation to this entire point about wanting to seek spirituality in something that feels more elevated, that feels like greater insight, that feels more special or more important, we miss out on the real purpose of our lives. Because very often when people define purpose, when the world defines purpose, it's like finding your one big purpose, finding the reason why you were born. And the giving of the Torah is like mitzvos. That's your purpose. I think even more than that, it's not even just like the giving of the Torah is like mitzvos and that's it. I think the actual experience of mm-hmm. having that meeting of upper yes. and lower, mm-hmm. that is the purpose of creation. And that is a purpose that we do celebrate every single year. And that does replicate itself every single year. Every moment, I think we're capable of tapping into that huge purpose, which is not necessarily a purpose that 
every person has to try to get to what is my purpose? What do I need to do? No, I think it's just about tapping into reality that really is. Mm. And the reality there is that we are loved and we are constantly being loved by Hashem and we're receiving from Him. And when you're tapping into that, Yes, it could be in the form of a mitzvah, right? You could do something really simple, wash your hands in the morning mm -hmm. or say bracha, something that really doesn't take a huge amount of exertion mm -hmm. and that I don't know if we value as much as we could mm -mm. because it does feel pretty trivial in our human perspective. Mm -hmm. But Shavuos night, I think, is a time for reintroducing this concept in our heads we're recognizing that in that small action, we are extending our arms and we're telling Hashem, like, keep on giving. We're connecting to you. And then why are we using these physical things? Is because in that way, we're involving our bodies mm -hmm. and we're involving the world. And that is giving back mm -hmm. by engaging with the physical world. That's exactly why we were chosen. That's the thing about the concept of a mitzvah in general. I think that the theoretical idea that like, no, God wants our human selves, God wants our bodies. Because it's so theoretical, I can get behind it so quickly. The actual full on real understanding to the extent that like, while I'm doing a mitzvah, while I'm really engaged in my life, I like really feel this connection. And this is why the world was created type of feeling. I don't know where that sentence started, but I struggle still in the experience of a mitzvah, even though I really get behind the abstract idea of a mitzvah done in a physical body is the only thing that can transform the world. And that's why it's so important when I'm actually doing the mitzvah, like when I'm actually washing my hands, when I'm actually making a bracha before food, it's hard for me to like bridge what I know and what I'm actually experiencing. Like when I read a poem about the magic of the mundane, Sometimes it's hard for me to translate that into like the same, even if I wrote the poem myself, it's hard for me to actually experience that in the moment. It's often only upon reflection of an everyday experience that I can see the shimmering spots there and highlight them. But when I'm in that experience, I don't have so much perspective. So when it comes to doing a mitzvah, specifically the small mitzvahs and the micro choices, even though I know all God wants is my body's involvement with the Torah. All God wants is my physical presence in this world, doing what my soul wants me to do. I wish I felt it. I wish I could really tap into it while I did a mitzvah. What do you think? Like, Do you feel it when you do a mitzvah? Well, what I've been trying to do more is be really open to the reality that I'm in right now. Mm -hmm. I think it's because I tend to be more like cerebral in my head and thinking about the future. So I've been working on really slowing down my thoughts, bringing attention to whatever I'm doing physically and getting into those actual sensations because mm -hmm. it does free me from the anxiety that I'm not experiencing it as my full purpose. It also frees me from being distracted because Either I get disconnected from the whole thing and I and I, I feel like it's meaningless. That's one not great option. Mm -hmm. And then the second not great option for me is if I do it mindlessly, which I think it happens even more because it's just habit. I mean, you grow up doing these things. It's not 
anything new or interesting, unless even if you learn something really exciting about it, that lasts for maybe like a day or two. So for me, it's it's really been an exercise of I'm right here. That's the only place that I'm going to be. Like I'm not going anywhere. I right now I'm not doing anything other than this. I'm feeling the cold water. I'm feeling this act. I'm here. I don't even go to anything like, oh, this is the whole entire purpose of creation. Because I think that in a way not glamorizes it, but you're hyping it up for yourself in a way that for me doesn't feel so authentic. But when I actually am present with the act, I feel like my whole body is responding to Hashem mm. in in a much more authentic way for me. Yeah. And sometimes I could bring that into other things in life, which are equally important, like how to speak to others, speak to my children, respond to something that's triggering, deal with my own moods or my own ups and downs. Connecting to what I'm physically doing really frees me Yeah, a lot. Do you relate to that at all? So much. And I think that you actually like you're bringing out the entire point of when we talk about how the whole point is the body. It's like when you get into the body sensation of doing a mitzvah and you actually let yourself fully be physically present in what you're doing instead of, I think what I'm describing and like that desire that I'm describing is kind of like to be asleep while being awake, you know, like I want to be involved in the physical world, but I also actually want to be like in the spiritual world, but tapping into our physical sensations, which I do find to be a very helpful practice when doing a mitzvah or when spending time with my children, not thinking about how this is the greatest act of love that I'm doing for my children, but just fully being present with them, just physically being present. I think the somatic experience of a mitzvah can ensure that I'm not running away while doing the mitzvah. So I actually am there to be Nashem. Yeah. And I also think it relates beautifully to the idea of how to actually receive. Mm. I think being able to try to slow down and mm-hmm. to really be there allows for actual seeing and hearing because oftentimes I find that if I'm not doing that, then I'm just overlaying my own ideas. I'm listening to a person talk and my brain is already formulating what I'm going to respond. And then I miss the whole entire second half of what the person is telling me because I'm already giving. In terms of the mitzvah, be aware it is a relational thing, right? You are there and you're receiving something and we can kind of not hear a lot and not see a lot if you don't remember to just sort of step back into what the actual experience of it is. Yeah. And something that comes to mind when you speak about the receiving that we do when we do a mitzvah is the idea in Tanya that when we do a mitzvah, we become a channel for God's light in this world. And so our limbs become channels. So all we have to do is just be present. I know that's also a very abstract idea, but that is like an act of receipt. I like abstractions. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, is it okay? It's abstract. <laughs> I love abstractions. I think that's partly why I'm like so gung-ho about trying to get back into the lived experience and mm-hmm. sensation because for me, it's so easy to stay in the theoretical. To connect it back to art, I was thinking about how there are conceptual artists out there and some really good artists. But for me, like I know that 
having an idea about art is not enough. I have to grapple with materials. Mm -hmm. And then I learn a lot more mm -hmm. about what I'm trying to say through working with my materials. So the physical actually does release new insights mm -hmm. and new ideas that are abstract and theoretical and of the spirit. So it really isn't this like clear divide between the world of ideas and the world of matter. Each one provokes, elicits more information, teaches, learns from. It's a conversation really between the conceptual and the material. Sometimes you start with your head, right? You start with an idea and sometimes you start with a physical, mm -hmm. right? And both could elicit really interesting results. So yeah. they're both really legitimate. Yeah. And not only is there no divide, they're actually in relationship with each other. Yeah. Like neither of them could show up in the world without each other. So much of the Torah is about like the study of the Torah, is about abstract thought, is about the system of Jewish law, is about, I mean, mystical teachings. And equally, so much of the Torah is about physical action, being present to the sensations in our body when we do a physical mitzvah, showing up as physical beings to receive from God, to give to the world. So one can't exist without the other. Like the idea of the whole point being the physical world is only because the physical world really is spiritual, really is abstract, really does represent something that's so much deeper than our body's experience. But the only way to like really tap into it is to be in our body's experience and to do the physical act in a really present way. I had an interesting idea. What was it about? I felt like the idea of occupying and being in your body and working with the world is not completely enough, right? Because even if you do everything right, it's really about pushing yourself, mm. being kind of not, maybe not, I don't know if the Rebbe used the word Mesir Snefesh, but the reason why we have this minhag to stay up all night and mm -hmm. not to sleep and get all that rest is because it's not quite enough to be in your physical body, but you have to take that body and kind of bring it to Hashem. Yeah. And have it fulfill not your purpose, but Hashem's purpose, mm -hmm. which is our purpose, but it's not the purpose that we see necessarily. Because I, I do think that when I first read this, I definitely felt nervous because I am such a believer in like good sleep and just being as healthy as possible because we have to take care of our bodies. Right. So I know that my initial reaction was like, oh my gosh. Stay like, up all night? No. <laughs> Why would that be the way that Hashem wants to find the Jewish people? Like all, you know, brings of exhaustion around their eyes, like jittery. <laughs> I mean, if you don't sleep, that is a clear path to unhealth, right. both physically and mentally. Mm -hmm. But as I read deeper, as I thought about it a little bit more, I was thinking about this idea that elevating our bodies and releasing the godliness that's within our bodies to go back to its source, having that union means that we have to see it the way Hashem sees it for a little bit. We have to be ready to push ourselves aside a little bit and let go of maybe what we thought we were doing here, what we think is the purpose, but rather tap into the essential purpose. And that is counterintuitive. Because maybe being physical means like being a glutton, right? Maybe being hedonistic, maybe getting really into the body, but it's actually not. It's being in the body and pushing ourselves to be better people, healthier people, more connected to Hashem. So that's like this interesting nuance in this. Yeah. And that's also what separates this idea of being in the body, being present to the body sensations from very 
popular concept of like mindfulness or secular mindfulness, which is just about physical presence, full stop, or just about emotional presence, full stop versus that presence to God's instruction, that presence to God's mitzvahs, that presence to receiving God's Torah. So there is an interaction with something beyond myself that I'm trying to integrate into my physical experience. It's about welcoming something beyond myself into my real physical experience and really integrating it, like you said at the beginning, through the process of Sphere Somer, through really changing who I am and finding balance within my character. Even just saying that, I'm like, okay, I don't have balance in my character. So it feels even hypocritical <laughs> to talk about it. Well, I think, but like, I think that's, the idea of balance is interesting because I think it's a really doable goal to mm-hmm. achieve balance. I think it's within what we can work on. Yeah. I think that's the idea of Sarasa in general is these are step-by-step, really orderly, really organized mm-hmm. ways that are achievable completely within our capabilities mm-hmm. to change. We're specifically not being asked to take on something that's impossible. Yeah. And it's supposed to be incremental. You build on your earlier insights and you keep reaching the same plateau also, mm-hmm. because like if you're going up a flight of steps, you keep getting to that same place where you feel like you're working on the same issue, but you're really working on it on a more refined place. So I think it is definitely possible. Yeah, it's possible. I'm just, whenever I'm repeating the ideal and knowing how far I am from the ideal, I'm like, mm, I want a little bit of a hesitance in the way that I say this, knowing no, that you're, it's you're a process. Done. You're good. <laughs> <laughs> You've reached completion. Yeah. When the Rebbe talks about the person that is separating themselves from the world, he describes that person as being someone who is a tzaddik, who's like doing terimitz face himself and is really occupied with becoming close to Hashem himself. And that is not ideal. That's not the purpose either. And the purpose there would be in order to engage with other people. So I was curious. That seemed to me like a twist because the whole entire time I assumed that it meant engaging the body meant to actually just do simple acts like do a mitzvah, study. But here it seems like that's not enough. Actually, it's referring to something more than that, Mm. like a relational, emotional, psychological aspect. I do think it's interesting. I think it's because our spiritual journey and spiritual experience and spiritual mission is so interconnected with other people. And the fact that the Rebbe doesn't stop with your role in this world is to transform your personal physical plot of land. I don't actually mean literal plot of land, but like your physical circumstances to spirituality. It doesn't end there. You also have a responsibility to other people. You could actually like misconstrue really leaning into the physical body as being kind of like the same thing as going to sleep. I'm going to seek my own spiritual peaks and my own spiritual experience through really being present to the physical experience of doing a mitzvah. But then it ends there. It ends with me. But I think if we're really connecting to God, then we're connecting to the interconnectedness of all souls. And it can't just end with me. Like It has to extend also to connecting to other people too and to sharing spiritually with other people as well. Like If it only ends with me, it still is just about my spirituality and reaching the highest level. Yeah. There's something like that could be comforting in that fooling yourself way. Like I'm doing everything right. And it's in a way like more difficult 
messier for sure to like actually engage with other people. Yeah. They might have different ideas than you. They might clash with you. It might be distracting also, right? Because like it takes time away from time that you value or you think is Mm. important. But it's not enough for you to experience godliness and it's not enough for you to feel like you alone are chosen. You might be chosen, but everybody else is chosen with you. If you have this particular way of connecting and a particular closeness to doing certain things and you have more understanding, then that is specifically like it's you who's supposed to go and and talk to other people. And even if you don't know that much, but whatever you have, whatever you're receiving, it is your imperative and it is your job to include other people in that vision and in that experience. I think sometimes with spiritual experiences, you can get I keep saying you, but that's not what I mean. Yeah. I, <laughs> and I don't even mean me. I'm just, I'm speaking kind of in the abstract. Yeah. But a person could feel special in a way that excludes others. And that distances yourself from other people. And that's also, I think, part and parcel of what it means to isolate oneself. I think that's maybe why it was so important that like you have to actually go and talk to a Jew. You have to actually go to that person and talk to that person and engage with that person. And it's not really taking away because like fire, you're just not extinguished when you share with another wick, right? So it's not really removing your own ability to experience, even though you might want to be alone in your spirituality, it's actually receiving also through giving other people Mm. and including more people in that knowledge. That to me seems to define so much of the Rebbe's message, which is that it's not enough to receive the Torah in a powerful way in our own lives. But if we are not sharing that experience and if we somehow isolate ourselves or think we were the only ones at Mantara and it's not something that needs to be like shared with every single person who is there, then we're kind of missing the point. Yeah. It's not as real if you're not able to put it into words, contain it and share with other people it becomes substantial. Mm -hmm. It becomes corporal once it's put into actual words and you could communicate that with another person and they could hear what you're saying and they could share with that. So even for the person who is receiving or is in the spiritual realm, even for them, it becomes more real by putting it down and bringing it to others. Yeah, I think Chassidus often talks about the muscle of a teacher and a student and the teacher gains from the student. Mm-hmm. From, from my students, I've learned the most because the act of putting something that is extremely abstract and bringing it down and putting it into words and being able to share those words makes the concept more real mm-hmm. for the person who even understands the concept initially. Right. But I think of it not only as teacher-student, but also just this whole concept of being messengers of the Torah. And that if like, if I'm aware of the gift of Torah in my life, then I want to share it with other people who also have that gift available to them. I've heard quite a few times this happen where like, I'll be in a situation where, you know, someone needs to like shed a light or whatever on Jabez and there'll be someone there who like doesn't consider themselves to be religious. And they're like, I'll do it. I don't mind. I'm about to drive home, you know? And I mean... Any person who is connected to the Torah would say, it doesn't matter. Me closing the light and you closing the light is the exact same thing. You would never allow another Jew to do that for you, even if it meant nothing to them because of the belief that your mitzvah is as important as mine. And I don't prioritize my own mitzvah over yours. So you were talking before about the self-absorption. And I think that if we really want to experience 
selflessness within our Torah and our connection to God. And we really want to know that we're connecting to something beyond ourselves. It's not always about pushing ourselves, but about really including other people in the experience and welcoming them and really proactively sharing about our receipt of the Torah and how it applies to them too. Yeah, I think that's really nice. It's very true. I really like the idea of really not seeing your your mitzvahs having priority or having more value than anybody else's. Yeah. That's a really good point. I like this format, the Fabrengan format. I'm not used to reading a Fabrengan and it's just so free and loose and stream of consciousness and mm. at the same time brilliant. Yeah. Like pulling in from so many different sources naturally, not in a way that seems formal. It's mm-hmm. so informal. And I love that. I really did. It's more human, you know? I find that I'm able to engage really deeply with it because of that, because it doesn't seem like an essay. So thank you for bringing this particular sikhat. The reason why I chose this one is because I feel that it covers ideas that a lot of us write off as having fully integrated because we're so familiar with them. They aren't novel concepts. And as a result, at first glance, you're like, okay, I get this. Like, this is what receiving the Torah is about. Like, it's about the physical world. But then when you actually get down to it in our own lives, have we integrated this? I really enjoy looking at ideas that are taken for granted in the Chabad world and actually assessing whether or not I've integrated that in my life at any level. And usually the answer is no, because they're ideas that I assume have been integrated into my life because like I've known about them since I'm two. So like, surely I've got it by now, but I didn't even start. Those are often the stories that we've least integrated because Mm -hmm. they're like part of our mythology, our bread and butter of what reality looks like. Mm -hmm. And we never questioned them or looked into them. It's kind of like a fairy tale in a sense, Mm -hmm. because we know the ins and outs so well, but if you actually thought about it, it's profound. Mm -hmm. There's so many things like this also. So it's interesting because like you still chose one that specifically talks about the physical body and then the need for involving the physical body. So obviously that's something that's really important to you and to your process. For sure. I mean, I'm a physical person. Yes, you are. (laughs) To me, this feels like some of the most important work and it it seems to encapsulate so much of the Torah's perspective on what it means to just like that question of like, what does it actually mean to be an ashama in a body? Actually, what does that mean in my own life? Like I have a knowing that I think a lot of people have, like if we've chosen this Jewish life, that there's more to life than the physical body, that there's something so much deeper beneath the surface that's going on. And also that there's something really real about my physical life. And there's something really important at this one chance I get in this body to do whatever God needs me to do. And figuring out how to bridge that feels very important to me. And being very aware of how to make that synthesis happen is like one of my biggest, I don't want to say questions as if there is no answer, but it's one of my biggest explorations, questions that I want to live with every day. Yeah. I think I would want to end by flipping this question to anyone listening on what it would take for them this year to receive the Torah in this way, being fully present for it, being physically present for it, and being so deeply and personally connected to it that we feel inclined to share with other people in a way that is authentic and natural and not prescribed but something that's just like a natural outpouring of our own experience of receiving the Torah. 
So there's two pieces. It's like our own receipt of it. And then how that expresses itself to the world in whatever micro way that is for each individual person. That's a big ask. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if you did, I want to invite you to leave a rating or a review. It helps other people find the podcast. And you know, we're all about getting Hasidus into every corner of the world. I also want to invite you, if you really loved it, to share it with a friend who you think might love it too. If you would like to sponsor an episode, you can reach out to us at humanandholy at gmail.com. To give to Human and Holy in any amount, visit humanandholy.com slash sponsor. You can follow us on Instagram at humanandholy, and you can stay up to date with everything we do by signing up for our newsletter on humanandholy.com. Thank you for listening, and I hope you have a wonderful day.